It's Nutrition 101 Day. Today on the podcast, we're going to have a conversation with our coaches about protein, what it is, what it's not, why you need it, and how to make it work for your health and fitness objectives and more. Stick around. Welcome to the CrossFit Edwardsville Community Podcast, where we hear and learn from our coaches, CrossFitters, and Glen Ed community leaders. Now, here are your hosts, Dallas and Greg. Welcome, welcome everybody to the CrossFit Edwardsville Community Podcast, where we get to learn from our CFE coaches, we get to learn more about our CFE CrossFitters, and we get to occasionally meet and learn some of our locally owned Glen Ed business owners and the characters behind them. Uh, I'm Dallas Amston. I'm your co-host, founder of the Men of Faith and Fire Movement podcast of the same name. And today I get the opportunity uh, to speak with two of my favorite people. Coach G and Coach Kelsey. Coach G, how are you today? I Well, I was good, but now that I just learned that I've been elevated to like Dallas's favorite people list, I'm doing great. Oh, you're high up on it, man. What about you, Coach Kelsey? How the heck are you? Same. That just made my day. I expect like a cover on like Dallas Magazine and Dallas's 15 favorite people. I feel like there is a Dallas Magazine, but it's probably in Texas. <laughs> yeah. So um, I actually... um. I have actually created this completely arbitrary like rankings list for our CrossFitters here. Oh. <laughs> and like I will arbitrarily give out points for stuff we'll do in eight o'clock open gym every day. Like Julia's ranked number 14, Ginger's ranked number 16. That's Dallas, Dallas is ranked like top five. Nobody knows who number one is because I'm not gonna tell anybody, but right. it's just Sometimes, sometimes I'll say to somebody, oh, that's my third favorite option of that. And they'll go, yeah. what's the first two? Don't ask me. Yeah, <laughs> don't worry a, about it. Just gave it a random value ranking. Well, all right. So today <laughs> we're going to, uh, we are going to have a conversation around protein, what it is, what it's not, why you need it, how to make it work for your fitness, your health objectives, and more. However, I know that we are going to uh, go down a, a rabbit hole right here at the beginning because, G, you've already let me know. Uh, G, take it away. What do you? What's the rabbit hole you want to take us down before protein? I don't know if I go say it was a rabbit hole, but before we went live with this recording, uh, Kelsey let us know that she is now the proud owner of an Aura ring as of Mother's Day. Yeah. And uh, she's one of the first people I know that actually has one now. Show that again is- to us, Kelsey. Uh, see it? Yep. Yeah. There we go. Uh, the beauty, the beauty of webcams. Mm-hmm. So Kelsey was sharing with some of the benefits of it. So like, the awareness counts for so much. But I don't want to steal your thunder, Kelsey. Go ahead, go ahead and tell us how this has been helpful for you so far. Yeah. So it's already rocked my world a little bit because it gives you a sleep score. Um, and so I have an Apple Watch, but I never wear it at night. Um, and kind of what we talked about, like it's got a screen, it's distracting. I don't like it yeah. feels weird on my wrist. Um, and the first night I slept great, but then yesterday I ended up having coffee later in the day. Like I finished my last cup at like three thirty, which is like way too late for me. And my sleep score tanked last night. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, like I feel like I slept so much worse because my sleep score was bad. And I'm like, I ha- cannot let that happen again. So like I finished up my last cup of coffee at like 1130. And here I am drinking water like a loser and having to like it. <laughs> I uh, I do have my water and you talked about Dallas Magazine, but Kelsey, I will say this is oh. Dallas, the official Dallas <laughs> mug that I got for my wife in Dallas, Texas. And she said, I'll never drink from that. You enjoy it. <laughs> you have to say really quickly about the aura ring. We're going to get to protein at some point. Um, so for those of you wondering, it's, it's O-U-R-A. Or mm-hmm. like our, our, yeah. uh, yeah. Ring. Mm-hmm. because yeah. when you first said you got an aura ring, I gotta be honest, my mind went a little more Eastern yeah. and I was like, oh, so we can like a mood ring, like, but now right. they're calling them aura rings. I'm not it's mocking that. I'm just saying yeah. that's where my mind went first. So when you said you can test your sleep score, I was like, wait a second, I gotta look this thing up. That's some so, intense Eastern medicine. I well, my husband, like- my husband called it an aura ring and I'm like, well, it's not a, like a Marine, like military ring, like it's an aura ring. And he's like, oh, that makes so much more sense. Yeah, I, I feel I feel like we should do an arbitrary, uh, just random, here it is for you guys. In case you're wanting to know more about this, check out AuraRing.com, yeah. where you too yeah. can know how you feel how you feel. Know why yeah. you feel how you know feel. Know why. Well, and G was sharing, because he uses a whoop. A whoop? Whoop? Right. Whoop? Whoop. The whoop strap. Yeah, so, so, whoop, there it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah to... Uh, 
now that we know, so what, well, the, the fascinating thing with either one of these is that they basically create a gamification of sleep and other behavior patterns. Like if yeah. you actually meditate, how does that improve your recovery? How does it improve your sleep pattern, right? And you know, Dallas is big on the gamification of stuff yeah. also. In CrossFit worlds, Greg Glassman is famous for saying like, men will die for points. And it's just really cool how like the awareness of like how your body reacts to all these behavioral things. How much coffee, how much caffeine and when, how much alcohol and when, like it actually can tell you about that. Um, so a uh, little shout out to uh, to Aura and Woo for making me and Kelsey more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, conscientious humans. Mm-hmm. Although it should be noted that CrossFit is now, uh, Whoop is an official sponsor of CrossFit now. So, man, I don't, I don't have their website ready to go. But if you guys want to check that out, be sure to take check out the Whoop band for all of yeah. your tracking needs and AuraRing.com, so you can sleep better and know why you feel how you feel. <laughs> Did that sound commercially enough? That was great. Like, you're, you're natural, Dallas. You're natural. It's like it's like you were born for it. But we but, digress. But we, we digress. digress. I will go ahead and do the radio announcer voice for this because, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get into the conversation on protein, what it is, what it is not, and why you need it. Let's start at the very foundation here, though, my friends. Uh, Kelsey, quickly from you, and then th- this will just be a quick bit question. What is Protein. Protein is one of the three macronutrients, right? We have carbs, fat, and protein. So all macronutrients do is it breaks food into categories and how our body uses them and processes them for fuel. So um, protein is made up of amino acids, essential amino acids that are essential building blocks for our muscle and skeleton and heart, lungs, all the organs, everything basically. Yeah. Gee, anything to add to that? She's right. There are amino acids that are building blocks for a lot of things in the body. And then during human digestion, they're broken down to smaller polypeptide chains. And that, like, those are the building blocks that can be then absorbed by the body for a, a thousand functions that I'm sure we're going to get to in a bit. And it's notable also that protein cannot be created by the body. It has to be consumed. It's a necessary element of our diets. It's like the first law of thermodynamics for macronutrients. Neither be created nor destroyed by the human body. You know? um, I don't know. I'm destroyed. Obviously, Kelsey, I've had plenty of coffee today because I am on it. Uh, oh, you're so lucky. So the question yeah. is, uh, when it comes to protein, you, you both mentioned the macronutrients. And, G, you threw out some other things there beyond amino acids. You threw out some paleophyto yeah. things. Um why do, why do we care about all that stuff? Because most of us are just thinking, you know, I'm just here to feel better, get stronger, look good naked. Heck yeah. Um, yep. but why, why in general does protein matter other than, all right, we need to count our macros. Yeah, absolutely. So in the human body, like the protein forms the building blocks for new muscle or muscle repair or muscle maintenance, new cells or cellular repair or maintenance, new organs, new organ repair or maintenance. And other tissues like hair, nails, skin are all built of the substrates of protein. And the substrates are also used to either produce or regulate hormones for us, DNA, enzymes, antibodies, and even our genetic code. And like when it's converted to glucose through normal human metabolism, it can also be a fuel source for us, an energy source for us, although it's less readily available than carbs, which are the most well-known energy source. Sure, sure. I've always heard that it's a little bit, it's more of the quote, long burn. Yeah, it's it's more of a long burn than carb. And like, you know, for for the crossfitters wants to look good naked, like whether you're looking to add more muscle to your frame, protein is a necessary part of that conversation. Even if you're leaning out, you want to have some nice muscle definition to show when you peel those body fat layers off Sure. Protein is going to be a part of having that lean muscle to show as well. So for Got most it. crossfitters, like it's about having the look that you want. Like protein is an important part of that conversation. But for all these other reasons that I also cited, it's a very big deal in your body's health and function. Like you can't be an awesome human being without it. Sure. Yeah. Um, I know the look good naked really definitely piqued Randy Lemon's interest if he's listening <laughs> right now. Um, and then obviously th- there was a point in my life I must not have gotten enough protein because of the hair loss. 
But Kelsey, anything yeah. to add to that as far as why protein matters, why it's important? Well, I, I agree with everything that G pointed out. Um, it, and it is just like to to make really basic make a really basic statement about this. Um, protein helps us get stronger. Um, and being strong reduces all cause mortality across everything, right? So um, it's building muscle, it's preserving muscle, it is hypercritical. Um, and, you know, we joke about like at points in our life where maybe we didn't eat enough protein as a former vegetarian. Um, I can personally attest to how damaging it was because I wasn't getting enough protein for three years. So sure. um, it is, I think that there are some people like, and we'll talk about like how much is the right amount and all that. And everybody, right. the amount everybody needs can vary, but I think it is important to point out like G already did that everybody needs to get it in. Sure. So, uh, so two questions kind of form for, for me. So I'm going to ask number one, uh, you know, that recommended dietary allowance, that RDA recommendation, what do the experts say for the recommended amount of protein per day in, in, uh, opposite of that though, second part of that question is how, what's the average that Americans are consuming every day? So, uh, gee, why don't you take this one first? Sure. So like, at a, a governmental official position level, the, the Institute of Medicine of the National Academies actually has a general dietary guideline recommendation of about 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight or 0.36 grams of protein per pound of body weight, which is based on studies that for at least 50% of the population this is a very baseline level. And I think you can look at it like if you're an inactive person, you have no interest in adding muscle to your frame. You yeah. don't have any sort of muscle wasting condition. You don't have any other health contributing factors that would lead to loss of muscle. This might be a reasonable start point. But we're probably not talking to inactive people on this podcast. We're probably sure. talking to CrossFitters. So we'll get into the specifics of, you know, what might be the right variation of this or what's the right way to dial that up, dial it down for you yeah. based on what your life situation is, what you want to get. But that's the start point. The RDA, which is produced by those institutes of medicine of the National Academies, based on what they say, 0.36 grams of protein per pound of body weight. Got it. So, so Kelsey, real fast on that. Obviously, there's there's a, a huge appeal ever since like the days of Atkins, these high mm -hmm. protein, low carb diets, etc. Uh, what um, I'm just going to go ahead and ask you this, and it might be a little out of order, but uh, are people are Americans getting too much protein when they're constantly like breakfast is a protein bar? They're going to do a protein shake. They're going to double down on protein shakes, etc. What do you think about how the American diet is um, looking at protein at the moment? So that's a <laughs> you may have just opened like the Pandora's box of my inner brain. <laughs> that's really what I was going for here. Why is open yeah. that's Whoa. what we ask the hard questions you know, ready. firing guns <laughs> blazing so, so i will say you know when we look at um i think you brought up a really good point of this idea of processed protein versus whole food protein right and here's the honest truth most people who are like i'm gonna eat a protein bar for breakfast i'm going to get protein shakes in left and right that is not a sustainable way to eat it doesn't provide satiety um these um or highly processed forms of protein, while they are great in supplemental form, and I endorse them in closing the gap, they just don't do for people what actually eating and chewing protein will do. Sure. Um, whole and foods. Yeah. Whole foods, right. And, right. and it's just like, it's just not a sustainable diet. And there's also this idea that Americans eat too much protein, which has been debunked time and time again, you know, looking specifically at red meat, beef, right? Beef is typically lumped in with just red meat. Yeah. Um, I have my, the statistics right here. Um, in 1970, Americans ate an average of 2.7 ounces of red meat per day. And in 2016, it was down to 1.8 ounces. So the actual amount of, of red meat that we're eating has declined. Now we've seen some increase in 
uh, poultry and pork, but not making up for that difference. But what has increased between 1970 and 2016 is caloric sweeteners. Um, Ultra-processed foods have increased by 30%. And ultra-processed seed oils have tripled. So, And then when we look at something like obesity, uh, in 1970, obesity among adults was at 14.5%. And now it's tripled to almost 40% in 2016. So if we just look at some of these trend lines, um, eating protein has actually dropped, even though that's not what the common belief is is out there. And it's all relative too, right? Because- Like, I looked into it. It's hard to find, like, you know, there, there's, some, there's some reliable data out there. According to Harvard Medical, the average American is consuming about 16% of daily calories in the form of protein. Okay. But 16% of daily depends on what is your percentage for everything else. And if you have a high percentage of processed carbohydrates, you know, the protein percentage all of a sudden may become meaningless, mm-hmm. right? It's like you're being offset by all the damage done by the the carbohydrates, the sugary processed things, sure. the the highly processed seed oils that Kelsey referenced. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and also Kelsey, I love what you said there about the um, about the the natural proteins versus more the more processed proteins. I can't help but think that maybe this guy's probably got too much. <laughs> uh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, but those guns though. Look at those guns. For those of you who aren't on the video version of the podcast, you should definitely check this out on YouTube, this particular moment. But it's basically a guy passed out in a bathtub full of protein powder. Um, (laughs) And uh, G did not know I was going to show that. But this is also why he lets me co-host every now and again. (laughs) Um, I mean, if I can have some guns like that, you can bathe me in protein powder, too. That's hilarious. And while we're on the topic of protein powder, I want to point out something else. with the idea of protein powder versus natural protein, right? Like we understand enzymes, we understand um, full spectrum of amino acids, which you don't necessarily get from protein powders. However, the additional consideration is that um, over the last 300 to 500 years, um, the human skull has shifted as we continue to eat more and more processed food and our, our jaws have actually shrunk, which then in turn, shrinks our sinuses and shrinks all of our breathing. Um, So whenever we look at um, breathing disorders, um, things like asthma, things like sleep apnea, all of these things um, continue to get worse as our face structure shifts and um, chewing protein, right? Strengthens that jaw is proven to widen, right? Even as we age, the idea that our bones, once we get to a certain age, don't change as much as they do when we're kids. Yes, that's true, but they can still change. So gnawing around on a steak a few times a week is going to help preserve a lot of these other structures that are really, really important. And it's just a topic that we don't necessarily get into whenever we start talking about protein, because it's like carbs, protein, fat, what's my number? How do I get muscles? How do I live longer? Where's my abs? Um, but there's other bigger things at play too. Are you saying that I'd have a more masculine jawline? I'd have a more <laughs> heroic jawline if I if I actually chewed more of my food, Kelsey? I mean, I'm not going to promise anything, but I think it's a good experiment to uh, to run. <laughs> I, I, you know, in CrossFit world, we talk about muscle all the time. I can't say I've, I've actively thought about my mandibular, mm-hmm. like muscle, like my masticulating muscles mm-hmm. all that often maybe i've been <laughs> overlooking something <laughs> we're gonna just so we all know uh we're gonna come in for a metcon three weeks from now and there's gonna be some random <laughs> exercise yeah i definitely think we're having a heck of a lot of fun on this uh topic today this is a good one um what are so g you mentioned there uh a few minutes ago um potentially some objections, but what might be other objections? We, when you, when you talked about the macros and people's focus more on carbs and things like that, and that, that quick, that quick energy that we get from carbs, but what might be someone's objections that you would hear if someone, if if a coach said to them, Hey, we need to increase your protein consumption. What would be some objections? So Kelsey and I have, we have, we have done a little bit of back and forth on this and I, ha- I have my answer and I'll share it. And my answer is this much of the answer. And Kelsey has a way sexier answer to this question. <laughs> so my, my answer is that it is possible to go too far 
with protein? It is. Like with many things, it's possible to go too far. And if you have very high protein concentration in your diet, you can fight issues like constipation. That's a very real thing. Yeah. And so that's something to be aware of is that it is possible to go too far. And I do find it extremely interesting and fascinating that the carnivore diet has as much traction as it does. And I readily admit I am not an expert on the carnivore diet. And if guys like Jordan Peterson and Joe Rogan are swearing by it, there's yeah. probably something to it. I know that Dallas, that you've tried it out as well. Yeah. I, you know, personally, I'm having a hard time wrapping my brain around a world where I consume no vegetables, no leafy greens whatsoever. Right. But I, I, I would find it interesting to see what are the long-term effects of somebody who only consumes protein. But towards your question, you know, somebody might have an objection like, hey, am I going to have a real hard time with bowel movements? That might be a concern if you go too far. But Kelsey's concern, though, is coming up a lot more often than this one. So Kelsey, yeah. tell, tell, us, tell us what you're hearing more and more often as a nutrition coach. Well, as we become more and more aware of the climate crisis, right, um, we need to reduce, and I'm, for people who aren't watching the video, I'm air quoting, we need to reduce our meat consumption because it's better for the environment. And I think that this is a very important issue that we need to unpack and find very broad global solutions for, but I don't think that like go, going meatless Monday or, or going vegetarian is the answer. Um, and there's a lot of science to that coming out to back that up. Um, you know, so if we look at carbon emissions, and again, this is specifically related to beef because beef is the one that's really getting hit yeah. right now. Um, right. Yeah. So, um, so conventionally raised beef is very hard on carbon emissions, right? It, um, one pound of conventionally raised beef um, emits 33 pounds of carbon monoxide into the atmosphere, right? Um, conversely, if you look at something like an Impossible Burger, um, they had... Uh, Quantas come out and do a life cycle analysis, it releases only three pounds of carbon monoxide. Sure. So um, okay. that is a significant difference between the two. But I want to flip back to something that I said in front of beef, which is conventionally raised beef, right? These, yeah. This is beef that's typically born on pasture, but fed out in feedlots, fed out with um, highly... Um, using a lot of industrial products, using a lot of petrochemicals into that process for corn, soy, transportation, all these sorts of things. However, there is a method of farming that's really becoming popular. And I will give full transparency here. This is the method of farming we use, but it's called regenerative agriculture. And it's basically a way that you graze your cows that rebuilds the health into the soil. And guess what yeah. happens when you have healthy soil? You have carbon sequestration. Yeah. Um, so a pound of beef raised from regenerative agriculture sequesters three pounds of carbon into the soil for every pound of beef produced. So, so not only is it better, but it is actually improving the environment. Net so when positive. we, it's net positive. And I think that whenever we have these conversations around um, the environment, again, they're very important, but yeah. it is not a black and white answer. And I would throw out there too, that agriculture only accounts for 10% of carbon emissions in right. the United States. Things like transportation, heating and cooling, all of these other things are way bigger chunks of the puzzle that we yeah. can do a lot with. So and New, um, York. New York is a big problem. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if you're, if you're listening to this and you're from New York, I'm sorry, but it's true. <laughs> no, you're not, you're not sorry at all. <laughs> I will say so, though, like, toward, toward Kelsey's point, if I'm hearing this right, then if you have a true concern about the environment first, mad respect to you, you would do more good by driving less yeah, and eating more. less meat. <laughs> So you would do better for definitely driving less and switching the way, switching how your meat is farmed, right? So for go, shifting into these regenerative agriculture products, yeah. um, it is not just who's doing the less harm. It is what is actually creating a benefit for the environment. So sure. Kelsey, you have, you have a regenerative, regenerative ag farm, but we, we you're, also, you're also sold out through next spring. Yeah. We are, yeah. So help us so, out here because you just piqued everyone's interest to, to be like, I got to get out the old Google machine and do so, the thing. But what does that look like? If you live in the Edwardsville area, there's two farmers that I know of that are regenerative agriculture based. Um, one is Ernst Family Farms, uh, E 
R-N-S-T, I believe. I don't think there's an A in there, but I'm sure if you Google it, it'll come up. They're north of Edwardsville. I'm not familiar with their buying processes, but I know that they sell individual packaged um, meat. And then Triple um, S Farms, they are located in central Illinois, but they deliver to Collinsville once a month. So we've got a couple of options here for anybody who's interested in something like that. Okay. Do you, um, Bagley Farms Meat Mark is a family-owned, locally-owned um, meat-producing mm-hmm. business as well. Do you know anything about their practices? I have not heard of them, but I would say if if you have a question, ask farmers. Um, so I personally buy, well, before we had our beef farm, we still buy chicken and pork from Triple S Farms, and um, I have a great relationship with the, the owner, and if you just ask them, like, hey, are you into this regenerative ag thing? If they are, they will be happy to talk your ear off about it, because it is a source of pride, um, and it's not an easy change, right? So we they're not doing it because it's well accepted among their peers and they're not doing it because it's super easy. They're doing it because it's the right thing to do. And they'll be happy to tell you about it. Shout out to support local for Ernst family yeah, right. farms. Hashtag support mm-hmm. local. This is awesome. So we got Ernst family farms and then uh, triple S farms. Mm-hmm. And both of those are here. And even those of you in Collinsville can uh, gain access to that. Thanks to, thanks to Kelsey's plugs. Right. It stops at one, Highway 162. Um, so, all right. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna move. Uh, I'm gonna come back to some of the questions we had talked about before the podcast in just a minute. But one of the big things we've done so far is we have talked about meat eating proteins. We've talked about especially the our favorite friend, the cow. But what about um, for those folks who are on here who are vegetarian or vegan? Uh, what might be some alternative? Uh, alternative forms of protein for them. Go ahead, Kels. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see how we, you can tell it wasn't a pre-prepared, pre-prepared question because he was like, "Toss it off." <laughs> yeah. So, well, Kelsey has a lot more experience. Oh, no, I know, I, Kelsey. Go for it. Tell us. And, and like, you, and like, real talk, like, I actually, I actually did do um, an oligo vegetarian stint at one point, and you know, I have my as a CrossFitter, I did that. I was. I was eggs plus no meat whatsoever. And, but Kelsey can speak to this far more articulately and intelligently than I can. Cause I did that for like five weeks and she did it for three years. Got it. Well, it Kelsey, was a disaster. We'll say that. So, um, so first of all, um, it depends, it really depends on what level of that spectrum you're on, right? Like a lacto ovo vegetarian and a vegan are two totally different, um, two totally different profiles of, of nutrition. So um, it depends on what you're, you're doing, right? So if you're like vegan, right? Um, you have to be intentional about supplementing with protein, right? Um, and I, this would be a situation where I would advocate for protein powders, yeah. um, protein powders, like pea powder, um, hemp protein, those sort proteins. of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I don't, but I don't know if a vegan vegan probably wouldn't eat cricket protein. Oh, that's so, right. I'm sorry. So, yeah, so. There's actually a great one too um, that my wife. It's her favorite protein powder that we tried over the years. Uh, it's just called Vegan Smart. Vegan mm-hmm. Smart protein. It's all plant-based proteins. Yep. So there are a lot of really great plant-based proteins out there. Um, how and I would also recommend that vegans supplement with B12 um, specifically, vitamin B spectrum in general, uh, some D3 and iron. So um, there's some some nutrients that they will be missing out on by not uh, including them in those their diet. So, um, so that's what I would recommend. And then as we sort of move back on that spectrum towards more meat eater, again, maybe you're a vegetarian that eats fish, a vegetarian that eats eggs, um, utilizing those protein sources um, to be able to hit a target that works for you to help you get closer to your goals. Yeah. Anything to add to that, G? Nah, that's good. (laughs) Nailed it, Kelsey. Mm -hmm. Um, So, all right. So we've talked a little bit about like, um, we got the RDA recommended amounts of proteins and things like that. Um, But obviously it's a little different for every person. Uh, Every person is different. And we will talk about CrossFitters specifically here in just a few minutes. But what might be some of the variables or considerations that someone should think about uh, to change the amount of protein that they need? Sure. I can jump on this one second. As as a caveat, as we go to this conversation, we can't prescribe or diagnose anything for you guys. So you want to check with your medical professionals too. 
before engaging in, you know, some new nutrition thing, but there's, there is a lot of great data that does speak to this for us. And we know that at least based on some studies of active people that having at least 0.8 grams of protein per pound of body weight maximizes muscle protein synthesis. This could be a really good starting point. I'm sorry, you said 0.8 grams of 0.8 grams per pound? Yeah, 0.8 grams of protein per pound of body weight can be a really good starting point. So understand that 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 doesn't account for a lot of other things that that come into play. So just a real quick question on that, G. I thought you had said earlier 0.36 for the pound and 0.8 for the kilogram. 0.86 is the grams per pound of body weight according to the RDA, according to the Institutes of Medicine, um, the official governmental position. Got so it. from the RDA, it's 0.36 grams of protein per pound body weight and 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram. Got it. That's where it can be confusing, right? Because the RDA from the Institutes of Medicine is 0.8 grams per kilogram body weight. The recommendation based on data for very active people is 0.8 grams of protein per pound of body weight. There it was. See, everybody, I was listening. I don't know about you all. <laughs> I said, hold on, that didn't match up. I needed to make sure I was clear. So keep going, G. So I, mathematically, though, it gives a lot of variables, and we'll get into some of those variables in a second here. Just for easy math, I think a really good start point for any CrossFitter is a gram of protein per pound of body weight. It's a very good, easy math start point. What do you weigh? Try and hit that in terms of grams of protein each day. But there's, there's other variables like, are you presently active? Are you presently doing CrossFit? Are you presently inactive, right? Are you, are, are you in a season of fitness or not in a season of fitness? If you are inactive, you need less protein. If you are injured, you may need more protein, especially if you are not on a structured diet. What it means, like if you're the you know, person that's eating just kind of whatever, yeah. the standard American diet, and you know, like you roll your ankle, you tear a muscle, just going through your everyday life stuff, you're gonna to need to up your protein because your body needs it as part of the healing process. So it can be part of your game plan for healing faster to proactively consume protein to a sufficient level. If you're wanting to gain more muscle, you probably need to eat more protein. If you're wanting to lose weight, and this is interesting, if you are dieting down, there are multiple studies that speak to eating patterns that allow maximal preservation of muscle while dieting down. And the guidance is as follows, uh, 0.7 grams per pound of body weight, 0.7 grams of protein per pound body weight for women, which by the way, that is two times the RDA. Yeah. So Institute of Medicine, double that. That's a good start point for women who are dieting down. If uh, you're a dedicated athlete, CrossFitters, 1.1 grams of protein per pound of body weight. Wow. That is three times RDA, right? But we're CrossFitters. We're not the regular people doing the regular things. Sure. Um, there, there's a study that was on obese or pre-obese women who were looking to diet down. Their start point for protein intake that was successful for them to maintain the lean muscle they had was 30% of their total daily caloric intake, 30%, which interestingly coincides with Dr. Barry Sears and the zone diet recommendations of starting at 30% of yeah. protein intake. This is people who are, they're heavy set, they're obese, they're looking to diet down. You want to keep your muscle, women, start at 30% of your intake wow. there. And there's, there's also meta-analysis that I found that had a bunch of studies cobbled together to come to like the grand conclusions based on what all the science says. And it showed that, quote, high protein diets surpassed the standard RDA recommendations, like when we started with the Institutes of Medicine, if you compare, quote, high protein diets to the standard RDA, high protein diets are superior in terms of preservation of lean muscle tissue under multiple conditions. Yeah. So there's that. If you're a senior, if you're a senior, you have to consider that as well. Your, your need for, you know, maintaining muscle mass could play a factor as well. And if you're pregnant, Consult the doctor. Yep. Uh, so, so just a quick question on that because um, a question arose in my mind as you were saying that. So, when you talked about this idea, G, of dieting down, 
when I'm thinking of that protein calculation, ideal protein calculation, am I calculating the amount of protein I need based on my current weight or based on my target weight? Like if I want to lose 30 pounds of where I am now down to there, am I targeting the, the ideal Dallas or the current Dallas? I have my opinions on this. Kelsey, well, that's you why you're here. here. Yeah, you, you go. Want... I'll, I have lots of opinions. You go and I will jump in. <laughs> so in the case of dieting down, we talked about how having a slightly higher protein intake can be very valuable because you're trying to offset muscle wasting that can very, very normally and naturally happen as you are cutting fat. Sure. It can be difficult to, what's what I'm looking for? And not cutting fat macro. You're talking cutting actual visceral body fat. Body fat. Yeah, cutting body fat. It can be very difficult to, what's what I'm looking for, selectively annihilate one without some loss of the other, right? Okay. In which case, my bias would be if your present weight is, say, 200 pounds, your goal weight is 180 pounds, hit the 200 pounds of protein recommendation as you cut down to 180. Okay. And then adjust as needed. Adjust if you find, okay, I'm starting to experience some constipation with this. Or you know, just for example, yeah, I would yeah. start at 200 and then tailor down if it just turns out to be more than you. Some people get to the point where like they've consumed so much protein, they just get sick of chicken or beef or whatever. Yeah. If you get to that point, eat less of that thing. Yeah, got it. Okay, Kelsey, you said you got some stuff on this, Coach. Yeah, so I agree with G. Um, start with where you're at and get down. Um, I do, whenever I'm working with a client, I do my macro calculations a little bit different. I work off of lean body mass numbers, um, meaning I, I try and figure out like, okay, of how much you weigh right now, what in that is lean body mass and, and let's eat protein to support that. So um, usually my numbers are look like 0 0.7, 0 0.8 per pound of body weight. So it's not quite up to the full one um, that G was talking about, but um when I use that approach, that's supporting that muscle that we want to preserve on your body, right? So if you have fat loss goals, right? Because nobody, I like to use the term weight or sorry, fat loss instead of weight loss, because weight loss doesn't tell me if I'm losing fat or if I'm losing muscle, we always want to preserve muscle. Sure. But, um, so if we're, if we need to lose 20 pounds of fat, um, and we're supporting the lean body mass, then it, it kind of becomes a moot point, um, in all of that. So, um, so yeah, so start with where you're at though. And, you can always shift your macros or shift your targets down as you lose weight. But yeah. if you start too low and burn out or get injured or, or whatever, um, it, it's awfully hard to get back at it. Sure. And if you're eating whole unprocessed or minimally processed protein, it's super hard to overeat on it. Like where I, I run and see people run into problems with overeating protein is when um, we're supplementing a lot, a lot, a lot with it, right? Um, protein has natural satiety that makes it pretty hard to, to overeat. Like you couldn't actually eat like 20 ounces of ribeye in one sitting, like, it, or you could, but it, you'd feel pretty terrible. I will. That might be a challenge. challenge. <laughs> <laughs> I will. All right. You're on Kelsey. I'll let you know on Sunday evening. After you let fired up. No. Um, so uh, that was great. Thank you. Uh, obviously, everybody, you understand that uh, some of these questions we predetermine. Others, I just throw at them based on the conversation. And look at our experts over here just crushing it. Um, so here's a random question for you guys. Uh, what are some strange sources of protein? Obviously, we've talked to the meat, the, you know, the chickens that we've talked about, the vegan and vegetarian options. What might be some other strange sources of protein? G, you Kelsey, had you a couple lists. Yeah, you go ahead, G. You listed some out in the notes. Yeah, so Kelsey had referenced pea protein, P-E-A protein. Turns out like peas have a pretty pretty good nutritional profile for production of, of uh, protein. So there are some uh, interesting protein powder options out there now that are based on you know, driving protein from a plant source, peas. There's also a growing trend Amongst people that are, you know, wanting to stay away from, you know, beef and all that, crickets turns out pretty good source of protein as well. So cricket protein is also something you can find at some of your like your more high end health food stores or online. And then, you know, during you know 
my travels in the, the fitness and nutrition world, I have become aware that there are actually some, some variations of roaches that are amazing sources of protein. Although I can't in any world see any of us ever eating roach protein. I think we'd all rather starve. I, I think if you, if you ever start a sentence with during my travels, it's got yeah. to be said more like a pirate uh, during my travels. Yes. I, I learned about the roaches. Yes. Uh, what about you, Kelsey? Any other random uh, weird sources? So I am a big proponent of organ meat, um, right? So in the U.S., and I think it's interesting because G already touched on this a little bit. Like we tend to really be grossed out by organs. We tend to be grossed out by bugs. But, you know, in a lot of... Um, you know, again, we talked about this last time we were on, we hold up these hunter-gatherer um, populations from thousands of years ago as like these like ideally healthy people. Well, guess yeah. what they ate tons of? They ate tons of organ meat. They ate, ton well, yeah. I mean, they ate organ meat along with the rest of it, right? They weren't just like crushing ribeyes every single night. Um, they ate bugs, right? They ate, they ate things that we were like, and it's just this nose to tail eating approach that gives right. you a more broad spectrum of, of nutrients and can support our systems more fully. So as far as like weird um, protein or weird protein sources, um, organ meats offer great protein sources as well as other minerals and vitamins and all that as would um, insects. Yeah, the, uh, so there's various levels of carnivore. You mentioned carnivore earlier, G. Um, there is just the I'm a ribeye only kind of person, but then mm -hmm. that higher level is right. the nose to tail carnivore who really who right. really goes old school. And by that we mean old school. Um, yeah. So qu another question for you here. Uh, we we kind of mentioned this already a little bit, but let's dive a little deeper into CrossFitters specifically. Um, should CrossFitters use a high protein, low protein, other approach? Again, prefacing this, everybody, if you're listening to this, uh, we are not prescribing or diagnosing anything on this podcast. We, we're not going to do that for you. But, uh, G, what do you think about CrossFitters? What, what's kind of some of the protein targets for them? Based on all the data we've discussed so far, just generally speaking, most CrossFitters are going to do way better on a more of a high-protein approach. And I, I say high-protein, meaning like, High protein is anything higher than the RDA. Anything higher than the Institutes of Medicine has recommended for us would be considered high protein. Again, we want to be higher than that for, for all sure. you 0.4 people out there, right? <laughs> 0.36. <laughs> yeah. So the short answer high protein. High protein. Yeah. All right. Uh, Kelsey, anything to add to that? We're going to talk about percentages here in just a minute, but anything sure. else? So I'm, I just want to add something too about like RDA because we keep kind of coming back to like you need to do better than this. So an important point I think to um, make is that the RDA isn't a maximum, right? Like this isn't like if you eat more than this, it's harmful. It is like minimum to avoid disease. So when we look at RDA recommendations of any macro or micronutrient, it is the minimum to avoid disease. So when we're making these recommendations out of our populations, like G already pointed out with sedentary people, um, even a sedentary person could eat more than that and see a lot of benefit. But what is the absolute minimum that, that people need to eat every day to avoid being sick? And that's where that like 0.38, is that what that? I don't do kilo to pounds, the conversion very easy. 0.36 grams yeah. per kilogram body it's weight. It's so yeah. American of you. That's Kelsey. the floor. That's the floor. Um, so, American. So, so it sounds like, I mean, basically, again, not prescribing anything, but it's safe to say that the right amount of protein is really going to be based on the person and their desired outcome. Would you guys mm -hmm. agree to that? Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's talk then. Um, we've talked in previous podcasts uh, about the various goals and targets and desired outcomes that CrossFitters have. Some of them want a little bit more performance-based outcomes. Some of them really want that lean, uh, you know, lean, mean, good looking. Uh, uh, I forget the, your word for it, G, all the time. Um, if you're going for aesthetics, um, and then yeah. the, the third one is some people are looking for that mass gain focus. So we've, we've talked about the percentages of carbs and proteins and fats when it comes to the various diets, keto, paleo, this, that, and the other, let's talk about those percentages and those proportions when it comes to those three different desired outcomes, either performance 
or lean uh, aesthetic look or, or muscle gain? Um, who wants to tackle this multi-leveled question first? I could do it. All right. So we gave numbers earlier, like grams per pound of body weight, and that's one way of looking at it. Some people, a lot of people like to also look at in terms of percentages, right? Yeah. So if you're a, a CrossFitter, let's say you're like a, CrossFit performance is your thing. You're probably starting at more like a 40% of uh, your intake coming from carbohydrate since you need more carbohydrate to produce a lot of physical activity. If you're just cranking through CrossFit workouts, you're doing multiple workouts a day, probably in the high end. I don't personally know, and I can't say for sure, but I don't, don't personally know of any elite CrossFitters that are low carb or carnivore. Again, I could be wrong. I often am. I don't know of any that fall into that category. I think that's notable, right? Your performance athletes sure. will have slightly higher carbohydrate totals. So 30% um, uh, protein, 40% carb, 30% fat for that CrossFitter. If you're dieting down, we take the carbs down. If you're looking to cut, right? I like to look at it in terms of cutting the carbohydrates down, bringing protein up about 40%. Yeah. And we can play with the numbers on carbs and fat there. And then if you're a mass gain CrossFitter, I would also take that up to 40% protein as a start point. Okay. All right. Uh, Kelsey, what about you? Any, um, so any additions to that? I know. I think that G did a great job covering it, especially from percentages. Like I said, I usually base off, or I usually work off of like that lean body mass calculation and then make the adjustments to our, um, to everything else. Like the carbs, um, is the other big lever, right. For our goals. Um, and, and I just want to add something to somebody may be listening to this and be like, well, I don't want to count. I don't want to count, right. Like counting and you mentioned this last time Dallas like counting drives you crazy um I I will say this I think that counting for a short period of time even if it is just two or three days to get an accurate assessment of what you're currently eating is helpful um because we think that we eat enough protein but I will tell you that I have been nutrition coaching for like almost eight years and no person who has ever come to me has ever been eating enough protein out of the gate, right? Like it has always been short. Yeah. Um, so, so track for a few days at the very minimum, right? Like G and I were talking, we talked about this at the beginning of the introduction into the podcast. Sometimes this data makes you more aware and better able to make decisions. Um, but at the very, very minimum, um, this size portion of protein at every single meal is going to get you closer to that target. Um, depending on the composition, if it's a fattier cut, you may need to add more like a bigger but if it's like a chicken breast you're probably getting closer to getting there um, and, and for those of you who don't who are listening to this rather than watching this uh kelsey held up her fist yeah. to fight the power eyes no 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 <laughs> protein power uh, so um so a, a size portion for right. me obviously is a little bit larger than kelsey based on the right. size of her fist right Correct. and then and again, I, I do encourage everyone to track for a few days because we'll be like, no, I'm eating enough protein. Um, but we also will buy like yogurt at the store and the marketing label on the yogurt says great source of protein. Right. Well, those marketing labels, labels are not regulated. So I could make yogurt and say it's a great source of alien smiles and nobody could come in and correct me. So um, doing some ad objective data collection around that is really powerful. Uh, Kelsey, I will say that if you, if you, if you, if your next cut of responsibly yes. grown, ag ag like agriculturally friendly, like environmentally uh, yeah. net positive meat says that it has a positive source, a great source of alien smiles, I will yes. buy that product. Absolutely. I, but I could put it on there. Nobody could come back and tell me otherwise. It's a marketing label. Only, only also, Kelsey, if you add the phrase to that, uh, our meat is out of this world. <laughs> that would help me as well. I'm, I'm, I'm loving that. I'm in the same zone, G. I insist on a meat that uh, it has a high source of rainbows. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we'll work on that too. I need a high concentration of rainbows or I'm out. That's fantastic. No, mar marketing is definitely uh, got to be careful of the marketing versus the actual nutritional data 
on the label. Um, but you should also be circling the outside of the grocery store, not dealing as much with the labels. Um, Kelsey, G, we're kind of wrapping down the conversation here. Any other protein-related things that you wanted to talk about, burning protein issues that I didn't get to ask you about that have come up for you? I don't so have I I do. I want. I want to share um, one study um, that I I love <laughs> um, because it just illustrates the importance of protein and and um, quality protein, right? So there was a study that came out in 2020. Um, see, not all bad things happened in 2020, um, <laughs> but this study looked at adults age 50 plus, um, and they looked at their protein intake, and those with a higher amount of protein intake. Um, saw greater preservation of strength over time, right? Like we look at this a goal of like, I want to be able to keep up with my grandchildren is a goal that I hear a lot. And, and even if you're in CrossFit right now, because you want to look great naked, you know that there's this like end goal, right? That, that something bigger can come from this. Um, but higher protein led to, um, 34% greater preservation of strength in women and 48% greater preservation of strength in men. So, oh, I'm sorry, I flipped that. Men had 34% and women had 48%. So, yeah, they um, did. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so, but it just pulls out the importance of um, protein as we age. You know, G mentioned um, aging, you know, being in an older population um, in his, one of his comments earlier. And, you know, protein is important among that spectrum. Um, yeah. for everybody. So no yeah. matter what our goal is right now, it's going to matter in the end. Fantastic. One of my favorite quotes, one of my favorite quotes of all time is from Mark Ripito. He said that strong people are harder to kill and more useful mm -hmm. in general. Uh -huh. I like <laughs> that. Be a strong, be a strong yeah. person. Be mm -hmm. sure to get enough protein in your diet. Yeah. Uh, well, gee, if, if people do want to find out more about this, uh, what's some of the best ways to, uh, to find out more, to get in touch with one of the two of you? Yeah, so at CrossFit at Roosevelt, we do have nutrition coaching programs that you guys can get connected to. CrossFitEdgeville.com is a good starting point. You can also find a link on there for scheduling a no-sweat conversation with us just to start a dialogue and, you know, get to learn more about us. We get to learn more about you. Then I'll turn it over to Kelsey. Kelsey also been in the game a long time. Has I was uh, proud to say I was there in the early days sure. when Ignite Nurse Thrive was born. So, Kelsey, take it from here. Yeah, I ran my business name by you. I remember. I was like, Greg, what do you I think about it. this? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so uh, I'm at, at Kelsey Albers or at Ignite Nurse Thrive is my uh, business account on Instagram or ignitenursethrive.com um, and reach out, ask questions, and we'll help you out. Yeah, absolutely. And um, if you want to also, uh, I'm going to throw that up there too for anybody who wants to see it. Her website again, ignitenursethrive.com. Also, you guys have access to CrossFitEdwardsville.com, and you can also follow CrossFit Edwardsville on social media at CrossFit Edwardsville. So uh, that is it for us today. So grateful to have you all with us. And uh, G, do you want me to sign off, or do you want to do the sign off, my man? I'll hit the button for the graphics. All right, go. I'll Bye. just say, as I always say, my friends, have a championship day. <laughs>